Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Andrew Downs. It's a getaway day for the Iowa Cubs, an afternoon game with Albuquerque. First pitch set for 12.08. Miller and Condon are live at Principal Park this morning. Iowa has added a guard to its roster for the upcoming ba- basketball season. Bakari Evelyn announced his commitment to the Hawkeyes yesterday. The grad transfer from Valparaiso averaged 8.5 points per game last season as he recovered from offseason ankle surgery. He started his college career at Nebraska, where he played 18 games as a freshman. Evelyn will help replace the transferring Isaiah Moss and the injured Jordan Bohannon, who is questionable to play this season. Tonight, we've got the Cardinals at the Marlins, a 6 o'clock first pitch. Stay updated at KXNO.com, and right here it is, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Hour number two. Trent and I, Miller and Condon, live at Principal Park, 1208 first pitch. It is getaway day today. Fans, the gates are open. Fans starting to make their way down here to Principal Park today. Just an absolutely spectacular day. If your job allows you to take a long lunch or you can sneak out, uh, what a beautiful place to spend an afternoon. 1208 first pitch, Albuquerque. They are the Colorado Rockies AAA affiliate, and Iowa will collide. Uh, 1208, and then the teams, both teams leave, obviously, but Iowa comes back on the 20th of June. Randy Wehofer from the Iowa Cubs joins us as he does when we were da- when we're down here throughout the summer months. And glad to be down uh, back down here today, Randy. Spectacular day, and you guys for once. Um, caught a break weather-wise this weekend, huh? Oh, this this is perfect. I mean, we couldn't have asked for any better. This entire homestand, the weather that was in the forecast a, a week ago, all disappeared as mm. we got uh, to each and every day. Uh, and it's amazing how uh, how much better everything is when it's 80 and sunny. You yeah. fight through 50 and rainy. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I kind of felt like we had crossed over into making excuses somewhat and saying, you know, when the weather's good, everything's going to be great. And you keep saying that and you want to believe it. And at some point, because it's outside of your control, you wonder, well, do we need to try some different things? What are we doing? And then it's 80 and sunny and we've had a tremendous week and, and restores the, um, the the belief and the, and the faith and the fact that uh, this is a, a viable part of Des Moines in the summertime, and, and all we need is a little cooperation, and we, we get headed back in the right direction. We certainly got that. <laughs> so let's go back to Saturday, because we spent uh, some time last week, and in the weeks leading up to it, in fact, the first time we were down here, we asked you, you could only name one, what's one event you're looking forward to most, and you said the Demonios uniforms. And um, So what went, how, you know, were you pleased with the way it turned out? And it was just more than the, you know, than the I-Cubs putting on a different uniform uniform as well as the visitors too but a lot went into it kind of take a couple of minutes here and uh fill us in for those of us who weren't down at the ballpark what it was just more than the guys wearing a different uniform yeah i was really pleased and our staff was really pleased we had a great turnout and some of that is a saturday in june mm-hmm. um you know but uh, there were certain key things that indicated that there was some traction there in addition to the group business and things that were already scheduled it was our biggest walk-up night of the season uh, so some of that is being 80 degrees and sunny mm-hmm. on a Saturday after school's out, and, and, and you know we all are a lot smarter when that happens. But 
Uh, you know, we had other nice days in the homestand too, and and uh, you know, Friday it was bigger than Friday, which was already a huge crowd, and, and we had a lot of tickets out for that day too. Um, but the response—it was our second biggest day in the store, uh, next to opening gear day. Wise, gear you wise, gear yeah. wise, uh, which is an obvious response. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, a lot of really good compliments and comments about all of our staff and ushers having the Demonios logo on. We even did name tags with the logo and uh, tried to just incorporate that into the to the whole game experience. Uh, we uh, selected a lot of. Uh, Spanish music, uh, Spanish-speaking music, Latin music, uh, uh, in addition to the walk-up songs and, and uh, trying to make it multi-generational. We searched what's popular now on those charts and what was popular throughout history so that uh, mm-hmm. all generations of families coming would hear something that uh, they would like. One of our uh, video crew uh, members is uh, fluent in Spanish and, and comes from that background, so we pre-recorded him with some PA for our standard announcements about mm-hmm. you know the things that you need to know if mm-hmm. you're at the at the ballpark here. Um, we had roasted corn and street tacos in, in the stand, and that stand did four times more business than it you usually does right. on a regular <laughs> night. So there's lots of indicators that people knew about it, were excited about it, interested in it. Uh, the game was competitive. We ended up playing 12 innings that yeah. night. I'm not sure everybody stayed till the end, but it was <laughs> it was fun. So we were really pleased, and we can build from here. I, I wanted this to be an appetizer, ideally. I, I'd, uh, I think if you bite off more than you can chew trying something new like that, you set yourself up for failure. I, I've wanted people wanting more, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, what, what we left. And, and I, I think we accomplished that. Uh, and, and now when we come back next month and, and do it again, we'll see what – element or two we can add to that and 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 then again in august and looking ahead to next season and that's the thing that this wasn't a one day uh kind of opportunity this was uh an opportunity to engage a growing part of our local community that has a strong interest in baseball and build future iowa cub and demonios de des moines fans uh over time uh, so that it doesn't matter what day or what the promotion is when it's beautiful (laughs) like it is today (laughs) Uh, lots of different people are thinking about, well, let's go to the ball game. The gear is outstanding. We talked about that a little bit last week. You guys are off after today, though, for a while. Do you guys keep the fan shop? We know the Cub Club is open, even if you guys don't have a game open throughout the winter, too. But is uh, can people stop down? Hey, want to go? What are the hours for it when you guys aren't at home? Yeah, when the team's out of town, uh, the office, including the team store, is open 830 to 5, Monday through Friday, and, and 9 to noon on Saturday. Uh, so if you're down for the farmer's market and want to mm-hmm. stop by, yeah. uh, we do have Saturday morning hours. The ticket windows are also open during those times. So, yeah, we're here uh, all the time. You know, uh, it's a little bit different pace uh, to the work day when the, when the team is gone. But there will be plenty to get ready for the next homestand in June that we hope the weather will be just as nice and we'll be equally as busy. So you're telling me you don't work just 70 days a year, huh? No, we, do, we a few more. <laughs> a few more. Uh, speaking of get ready, uh, Craig Kimbrell is going to have to get ready and face uh, game uh, situations. You guys are gone through the 20th. I don't know. I mean, I know you guys don't get told uh, in advance you can look for them on the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. But seemingly, Randy, there's a pretty good chance that he's going to spend some time in Des Moines. Possibly. Um, for me, and this is just my opinion, I'm kind of skeptical, and maybe that's because okay. I, I don't want to get my hopes up maybe or, right. or certainly don't want to mislead any any fans into that. Uh, and this is just me talking uh, as a baseball fan and observer and, and, and someone who's uh, – I've got no inside information, but I have a little bit of insight into how mm-hmm. things typically work. Uh, 
it is not a coincidence to me that he signed the day after the draft. Uh, right, for the, and, yeah, you have and, to give up the compensation. And, and I don't want to accuse anybody of anything, and I don't know what the rules are for talking, but it is my suspicion that it became pretty clear at some point that both he and Dallas Keuchel were going to have multiple offers to consider yeah. or had multiple offers to consider, just like NFL free agency. You know, it starts at 12 o'clock on some given day. By 12.15, three guys got deals <laughs> as if you figured it out in 15 minutes. I, yeah. I, I just find it hard to believe that it was laid to chance uh, <laughs> that you are the first one to have the, the conversation with them. And, and if that's illegal according to the rules, I'm not saying any of this is, is actually happening, but it just seems too much of a coincidence that both Kimbrell and Keuchel signed within mm-hmm. 36 hours of the draft ending, indicating that current general managers value draft capital way more than they ever have in the history of Major League Baseball, and that Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel both have known that this was going to be the timing of when they were going to get deals and get done, and that narrowed the window of what they're going to need to do competitively, especially a guy like Kimbrell. I mean, his, whether there's an A-ball guy standing in the box or a major league guy standing in the box, his stuff plays. Right. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, Did being you able see to him, go back-to-back days. They showed him, well, during the game, it was a, I think it was last night. It was either last night or Saturday, and they showed him doing a session in the bullpen prior to one of the games. He looks like he's ready to come in right now. It's, so that's why I'm skeptical, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'd love to have him. Of course, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here we, we, we'd shout from the mountaintops if he was going to show up and put an Iowa Cub uniform on for even a couple of days. But um, my suspicion is, is that guy with that track record and the way the timing of this has gone, logistically he has to be on our roster uh, mm-hmm. here for some amount of time mm-hmm. uh, until the Chicago Cubs decide that he's ready to go up. Uh, but I'm I'm somewhat doubtful that we see him, and I hope I'm wrong. Is this because uh, this has always been the case as far as the Iowa Cubs with Sam, um, and then you know throughout the years, whether it be Rungaitis or Nehas or Toit or now yourself in, in that role, you guys have never promoted a guy that you know is going to be here and is going to go up. Is that a Triple A kind of policy, or is that just the way you guys do business? Because if you you know put. Chris Bryant or something on a ticket or you make the promo around Chris Bryant and he's not here because it's out of your control, obviously, then you're going to have a lot of upset people. But is, is that a league policy or is that just an Iowa Cubs policy? Uh, it's, uh, it's not a written league policy by any stretch, but we talk about that frequently um, you know, because of our longstanding ties with the Chicago Cubs and the importance of that tie and that mm-hmm. brand and this market to what we have built uh, here is their their AAA affiliate, and because it's so far outside of our control, uh, right? You know, especially in this day and age, it's even easier with social media and our website and and uh, our relationships to be able to get that information out quickly, um, as opposed to would have a, a generation ago. If and when we get the news that he's on site, and you know now you take a picture of him in uniform before batting practice, and you tweeted out to the 60,000 followers and it goes mm-hmm. from there and uh, you know you can spread the word pretty quickly but but you're right uh, we purposely avoid being too player focused because no matter the player uh, we're just not in control of it uh, and even at the major league level there was the you know the Cleveland Indians had Bob Wickman poster night uh, several years ago, uh, scheduled for August 1st, and July 31st was the trade deadline, oh my. and they traded under the Brewers. And even at the major league level, the marketing department and the baseball department couldn't get on, on the same page for that. So we're staying far out of that business. 
Yeah. All right, a little self-serving here, Randy. I'll be here again tomorrow calling a high school game, 11 o'clock, I-35 against Van Meter. Looking forward to that. Been able to call a lot of high school games throughout the years. That series, though, regular season games started, what, probably about five, six years ago, something like that. Seen more and more teams start to come in here and play regular season games. What's the impetus behind it? And you got to think it's a thrill. Of course, the teams that qualify for the state tournament's one thing, but to play a regular season game, play a conference game, I know up in my neck of the woods, top of Iowa, a couple teams are coming down here in the next couple of days, but just a great idea to get more people here and give a chance for players to play in this ballpark. Yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. As long as I've been here and probably longer, uh, the number of games or the specific dates is always dependent on we get our schedule. You look at when the team's on the road. Uh, Chris Schlosser, our head groundskeeper, plans his treatment and, and mm-hmm. care mm-hmm. cycle around that, and then what days are left uh, to, to be able to do that. Uh, and we provide uh, you know, the, the teams that are interested, first come, first serve, and we have a good network of contacts because of the high school tournament uh, you know, that we provide them with tickets to sell as a fundraiser um, to their constituents. So it brings more people to an Iowa Cubs game, gives them the opportunity to uh, play in the field. The teams that think that they're contenders to get here uh, for the state tournament are eager to try to schedule a game so their players get over the awe factor in that regular season game as mm-hmm. opposed to day one uh, of the tournament, if possible. Uh, yeah, and it's 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 an important part of being stewards of the game and the community, uh, providing a fundraising and an experience opportunity for the schools and uh, hopefully bring a few more fans to a, a couple of Iowa Cub ga- Cubs games along the way. And if you can check all of those boxes, that's the makings for a good promotion all the time. Hmm. Here's one for you. Since Trent went off the beaten path, I'm going to do likewise with you. Randy Wayhofer is our guest from the Iowa Cubs. So sports wagering is about to be legal here uh, in, in the state of Iowa. We know that the AAA affiliate in Las Vegas, you can go to the books there. And I think this is new. I don't remember seeing AAA. I mean, probably all-star games and playoffs, but I don't remember like day-to-day games being put up on the board. Have you guys had any conversations as to what that may do for business, if indeed? And we talked to regulators with the uh, with uh, the state of Iowa, and they don't think there's any reason why they can't put the Iowa Cubs game uh, set a line to it. Have you guys had any discussions internally as to what that may do for you guys business-wise, if anything? Yeah, I don't think it um, business-wise it probably changes much of anything. The rosters change so often, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and things like that. It's it's going to be really difficult to get a good read on that. I would think if it, um, my biggest concern as an operator is, I would prefer that we weren't part of it, mm-hmm. um, only from the standpoint that the access to players and the ownership you take as a better potentially uh, causes me anxiety uh, because these guys aren't here with winning and losing being their number one priority. Right, they're here to get better. Here. All right, uh, excellent point. So if a relief pitcher who's here on rehab blows a save because he was here told to throw 80% fastballs um, and you had money on that game and you're really angry about it an and they're on point. social yeah. media – I feel like that element gives people has the potential to give people ownership of the situation that is caution is a cautionary tale to me in terms of security and access. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was a story about Carl Edwards Jr. getting threats 
when he yeah. came down and leaving Chicago. How good has he Chicago, been in his last? Uh, you know, and, and how important that reset button was to yep. hit, and that, and that that's that is the number one purpose of this place, uh, not yep. our record. So. I have those kinds of concerns, and I hope I'm overly worried uh, about things. I maybe I, under, I, maybe I, I underestimate uh, people's interest in in that. I, I, just, I just, you know, you, you always jump to worst case scenario, um, you know. And if you had money on a game here uh, now, and when it was illegal, uh, you know, you have to be cautious about how upset you got. It's more right. buyer beware when when it's very easily accessible, yeah. and you feel that, you know, we don't have replay here. We don't have all of those things. Uh, I just uh, it, it it worries me a little bit about how people re- will react uh, when their own money is on the line uh, if things don't go perfectly. As minor league baseball has come up from time to time, they don't always go perfectly here. Mm-hmm. Not fair point. No, yeah, very good. And and a couple of things that I certainly I never thought, thought of. Yeah, certainly at the minor league level. Well, between the lines, it hasn't gone very well. Six straight losses. Does that impact you guys? I mean. If this team's 20 games above 500 below, does it impact a whole lot what you guys get attendance-wise, coverage-wise? Does it really matter? Not a lot. Um, you know, I, when the team's in first place as they are now, I, you know, it's better. It's better to talk about. And, mm-hmm. and even after six straight losses, we're still in first place. Yeah. Uh, the, the strange thing is, is most of our losses have come at home, uh, <laughs> and the team's got the best road record probably in, in minor league baseball. So it's been a very uh, strange season that way. And we're just in one of those cycles right now. And El Paso was really, really good. Um, and Al- Albuquerque's played over their head a little bit by their record, but they had some guys here on rehab and have just shuffled some guys between here in Colorado, and you catch teams at, at a bad time, and, and sometimes these streaks happen. So uh, the later the season gets, if we're still competitive, uh, you know, we'll see a 3 4% bump in, mm-hmm. in interest, you know, but not enough to say, you know, you know, you know that the weather and the promotions and the fireworks and all of those things are much more uh, impactful into to putting people in the seats. Uh, it doesn't hurt very much. You know, last year we only won 50 games, uh, but when the sun was out, we had good crowds. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, yeah. so it, it it can help a little bit, uh, but not enough to reshape the business either way. Last thing for me, we've talked uh, you know about the Bryants and the, the the guys that have been here that are now up with the, with uh, Chicago. Albert Almore is one of those guys. He took a while as well before he got up there. I he made a catch last night. I don't know if you saw it late in the game. Uh, just a tremendous running catch. Did you know? Did, is he one of those guys that uh, that you were thinking as you're watching him because you were doing the, all of his games? You were do, you were still doing the play by play home and away on the road radio wise. Did you know that you know once he figures it out, maybe gets the offense as giftedly defensively as he's a I don't want to say it can't miss, but he's going to play a long time up there. Yeah, he was a Gold Glove center fielder here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't get that. You know, because of the high walls and the tight dimensions here. We don't have a ballpark that sets up for a lot of web gem kind of mm. plays in the outfield. You either get to it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, you don't get to run. You know, Trackman uh, Statcast doesn't give you how far you had to go in this ballpark. If you've gone that far, you've you've run into the wall. So uh, you don't get those same highlight level plays. But his instincts are so good, his hands are so good uh, that defensively was never a question. And offensively, uh, when Brian Harper was the hitting coach, he, uh, I never heard anybody say this in, in this way he said Almora was limited offensively only because his hand-eye coordination was too good uh, in the regard that he would swing and hit borderline pitches that the pitcher wants you to hit mm-hmm. to induce weak contact where other guys would swing and miss 
and then maybe you hit the next mistake too hard that he rarely walks, he's very aggressive, and he puts so many balls in play, but he wasn't being selective enough to make enough hard contact. Uh, and that once he figured that out, power would come and and everything else would come along with it. And I think we've seen that. Uh, and, and that's a, a different take uh, in this day and age of strikeout baseball, uh, <laughs> that he was making too much contact for his own good uh, coming up through the minor leagues. Uh, and, and he's uh, been proven right, I think, by, his, by his progression. Yeah. So um, it was never going to be a question of how, was he going to work hard enough, did he care enough, all the intangibles were there too, and, and I'm, I'm happy for the success he's had. And, and because of that defense, he'll he'll continue to get opportunities. And if he ever ever does figure it out, he could be a leadoff guy and play 150 games for for the Cubs or or someone uh, if that all comes together. Well, for him. defensively, so fun to watch. All right, the team is on the road now through the 20th of June. That's uh, an eight day homestand once they come home. Any big promotions that you want to uh, remind folks about uh, when they uh, get back to town on June 20th? I just got a text last night from uh, Fergie Jenkins uh, Foundation president, and uh, Fergie and Lee Smith and Bill Madlock are going to be here for nice. a couple of days uh, on that homestand, signing autographs and selling memorabilia for, for Fergie's Foundation. We've got a couple of fireworks nights. Uh, Unity Point has uh, their activity, which is always well attended, and they've got the baseballs that they give out. Uh, the Iowa Lottery's got a big promotion on Sunday the 23rd here with uh, selling scratch tickets and bringing their VIP, VIP club out. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of good things uh, going on uh, that week, and, and if the weather's anything like it is now mm. and uh, with school out, uh, we look to see see a lot of people at the ballpark and, and have a lot of fun. A lot of kids running the bases yesterday. Yeah, there were. Uh, will that be part of this homestand the next yeah, time? Yeah, every Sunday. Every Sunday. Uh, we had a great crowd for playing catch on the field on Saturday good. as part of that uh, before the game. Uh, uh, every Saturday night we do that. Uh, yeah, those those standard things are in play. It's good bike riding weather now that the trails have dried out and we've got the new bike gate. Uh, it's a $5 general admission ticket when you ride your bike and check in at the bike gate mm. for any game. Uh, so there's lots of great deals to be had, even if there isn't uh, uh, a specific promotion that's right up your alley for 5 bucks to ride your bike to the game and, and hang out. You can't beat that. Indeed you can. Good stuff as always. Randy Wayho from, from the Iowa Cubs as they wrap up the homestand. First pitch today, 12.08, uh, teams back in town June the 20th. All right, we talked clones. We haven't done the Hawks. We will do that next. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Then Trent and I will take a closer look at tonight's Game 5. Is this the final NBA game of the year? I don't think so, Trent Condon. <laughs> Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 14.6. Limitations apply. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back. Miller and Condon live at Principal Park, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you here until noon, Murph and Andy today at 2. Fanatics will bring the local uh, programming portion of the day on KXNO to an end. They're on today from 4 until 6, Cardinal Baseball. Uh, at uh, at six uh, six ten is first pitch, so I'm assuming the boys will get to it. Uh, stay on the air until six. Let's talk to Scott Dockerman, shall we? From the Athletic, Doc Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Scott Dockerman. How are you? I'm well. How's it going today? It's a beautiful day, isn't it? Man, I'll say we're out at the ballpark. Couldn't uh, couldn't be any happier to be down here on this spectacular, spectacular day. Hey, Doc, uh, your piece on the uh, on Iowa's schedule. I was a terrific read. It really was. You know what it, uh, it's it does. It kind of it's a refresher course, 
as the opponents and some of the uh, key losses that each of these schools had, what's jumped out to me, Doc, is the number of new starting quarterbacks uh, that await Iowa this year. I think I counted eight of the 12 teams that Iowa will play this year will have a new signal caller uh, under center uh, than they had last year. Eight new quarterbacks, and, I'm, and we know it happens every year to some extent, but i got to think that yeah. this is maybe out yeah, of the norm, uh, isn't it? I'd say that th- that's, uh, that's a significant uh, part of this for Iowa, and that is that they are playing. They have a three-year starter, and most of the teams that they play do not. And, uh, in fact, most of them are new. I mean, you look at some of the guys that they've played, uh, you know, for instance, uh, Trace McSorley, you know, for mm-hmm. Penn State, was a three-year starter. And last year, you know, had a couple of really key plays in that game to tip the field. But, uh, you know, when you look at, you know, teams like Illinois just seems to be cycling them through. There are others that they haven't played against that they play on a regular basis. You know, Brock Purdy at Iowa State or Elijah Sindelar didn't play last year against mm-hmm. them from Purdue. But, uh, you know, that's going to be a key factor. You know, if their quarterback, if Nate Stanley – can leverage his experience and play at a higher level than an opposing quarterback, Iowa not only is going to be in most of these games, they're going to win most of these games. So I think that is a crucial stat going into this fall. You know, it was surprising as you're going through and looking at it jumped out to me right away. Purdue, a team that I was lost to twice, you had the what fourth from the bottom, the eighth most compelling game of the season here. Purdue, is this the new thorn in the side? Is this the new Northwestern for the Hawkeyes? The new Northwestern, nice. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's hard to say. I mean, there's so many good uh, teams, uh, I mean, on this schedule this year. I mean, you know, you have a, a Minnesota, which is a traditional rival. You have Northwestern, which they've lost three straight to. I mean, Purdue is, is a team that Iowa's played the third most times out of any opponent behind only Minnesota and Wisconsin. So, you look at these, uh, you know, these games, and it's really hard to, to stack them up. I mean, Purdue has beaten Iowa in two close games consecutively last year on the last play of the game, but but they lost some key players. I mean, David Blau was really instrumental in that game. Now, granted, I think they have the most dynamic player that they're going to face mm-hmm. in Rondale Moore, uh, but uh, you know, I, I really think that among the tiers, uh, <laughs> there are eight games that really you can make a case for from anywhere. Not necessarily from one to eight, but certainly at Purdue, you could say, hey, this is as important as uh, the third or second game on the schedule. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was got very difficult once you got past the first four. You know, the the quarterbacks that they will face, Doc, I don't think that there's any doubt if you were to rank the top three quarterbacks that I was going to have to uh, try and stop this year, it would be, you know, in no particular order, it would be Brock Purdy, Shea Patterson, and Adrian Martinez, right? And maybe Martinez is the best of the three, or maybe not. But three, those three guys would be at the top of the list quarterbacks that they're going to face. Am I missing anybody? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, yeah, that, those three for sure. And, you know, no, at Iowa, they haven't had a chance to see Brock Purdy up close, but, mm-hmm. but I think his statistics uh, precede him. I mean, he's he was outstanding as a true freshman, so... That's going to be an awful big challenge for the Hawkeyes uh, going into this year, uh, you know, against Iowa State. You know, Shea Patterson, the same deal to some extent. I mean, although he was, a, you know, a known commodity, you know, even coming out of high school. And then, uh, you know, they have played Adrian Martinez, and I expect Nebraska to have a, uh, just a dynamic offense. You know, whether or not their defense can catch up, that's going to be the determination on this, as to whether Nebraska is a, 
say, a, a six or seven win team and, you know, and then go up from there. So uh, I think all three pre- present challenges. Now that that means on the flip side of the ball, what can Iowa do to slow them down, prevent them from being uh, explosive players? And they've done, their, they've done a good job in the past of facing those types of players and having success. But that said, uh, you know, the, all three of those guys tip the field when they're out there. So Iowa's going to have to, uh, you know, be able to match that offensively in order because you just can't expect to, to toss a shutout against players of that quality. Well, and the great unknown of the quarterbacks Iowa will face is Hunter Johnson after his sit-out year coming in from Clemson and Northwestern. I mentioned Northwestern a little bit earlier. And, Doc, that's my pick to win the division. I'm still on Northwestern, the reigning champions from a year ago. And a big part of it, obviously, is Hunter Johnson. Have you heard much about him? We know what he was coming out of high school. This is a guy that was more decorated than Tua was coming out of high school. But how his development has gone during his redshirt year and what Northwestern, what they're going to be with him offensively? You know, I haven't... You know, they got done with their practices uh, really early this spring, and and it's still officially a quarterback competition uh, there with, uh, you know, not only with Hunter Johnson, but I think T.J. Green kind of fits into that, Trent Green's kid. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, you know, I, I, but I think in part that's just kind of coach speak for wanting everybody to compete. I expect Hunter Johnson to be out there. Now, will he be uh, as effective uh, as Clayton Thorson? That's hard to say. I mean, you know, they've got a challenging schedule. Uh, they were not dynamic at all offensively, but defensively, I think they still have probably the best unit in the Big Ten West. So I'm not, you know, I think there are, you know, a, a solid five to six teams that are capable of competing in that division. Northwestern, hey, you know, you can't overlook them. You know, they won eight straight games to finish the season in Big Ten play. They're eight and one. They won the division by three games. Uh, but, uh, you know, each one of these teams, ha- you know, I think Northwestern is also capable of going 6-6, six six, uh, you know, because they've won a lot of close games the last couple of years, and that tends to straighten out for teams. I think Iowa and Northwestern especially, that one year, you know, you might see a team win 10, 11, 12 games, and the next year, you know, they, they fall apart in those close games and lose by a field goal, and I think Northwestern's equally capable of both. Uh, I'm just anxious to see, you know, whether or not Connor Johnson – and live up to his accolades before he decided to bolt when he saw Trevor Lawrence at, uh, <laughs> at uh, Clemson. <laughs> I don't blame him a bit. He's, I think he's a generation, <laughs> generational quarterback uh, in Lawrence, but we'll see. Gray Mertz is another uh, much ballyhooed quarterback. Of course, at Wisconsin, a true freshman. They're, they call, they say that uh, you know there's been more hype around him than there was over uh, them signing Russell Wilson. We know what kind of quarterback a he was at Wisconsin and what he's gone on to be uh, at the uh, at the NFL level. So, what about Graham Mertz? Realistically, as a freshman, look, Nebraska had one last year, a true freshman uh, under center in Martinez. What are you what are you hearing about Mertz, Doc? I mean, he's wowed everybody in spring practice, but. You know, the one thing with uh, Wisconsin is they just, they don't, they're kind of like Iowa. They don't necessarily bring out a, a true freshman and play right away. So that's not necessarily a guy that I expect to, to walk in to September or late August and, and have that job. I mean, Jack Cohen was there last year. He started some games. I expect them to be, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, conservative in their approach. But that said, Iowa's going to play Wisconsin in Camp Randall the second Saturday in November. And it wouldn't shock me at all if you see Graham Mertz then, because you know this is the offense at, at Wisconsin. They they're replacing it, you know four offensive linemen, which was at least going into last year considered the best. But 
you know, they've got some dynamic wide receivers. They've got the best running back if in the Big Ten, if not in the country, in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but they're going to need that extra punch. This is their year to, to play the tough slate on the other side. Uh, you know, they play, uh, you know, Wisconsin, I mean, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, and, and Ohio State. So they're going to need a little bit extra punch in, in the offense. So if he could, if he can move the team, I wouldn't be shocked at all if you see that uh, second, you know, November 9th, if you'll see both, uh, you know, Graham Mertz out there taking snaps at Camp Randall. All right, play this scenario with me. Scott Dockerman joining us from The Athletic. Iowa gets through this difficult schedule 10-2. and two. They're the Big Ten West champion, and then they pull an upset at 11-2. and two. Not good enough to get in the college football playoff, but the win in the Big Ten championship game. They're back to a Rose Bowl. First Big Ten title since 2004. Is that enough for Kirk Ferentz to hang it up, to retire, to say, no. I got that Big Ten title, I got my third to tie Hayden Fry? Did they win the Rose Bowl? Nope, because he's going to announce beforehand. He's mm. going to either hand it off or say, that will be my final game as Iowa's football coach. Is that a plausible scenario? Oh, I suppose. I mean, I'm probably not there. I, I, I did a an interview with Kirk in, in January, and Kirk was pretty emphatic he wants to stay more than just this year. He doesn't feel that urge. And, and I've seen him more relaxed and energetic in the last few years than I've seen him, you know, in a, probably in the previous 10. So I expect him to stick around for a while. Now, if you're asking me, do they get to the college football playoff? No, I, I don't think with an 11-2 record they do. 12-1 and might even be too difficult because, you know, they're gonna, they'd have to win a publicity battle with uh, the second-place team in the SEC, and that very well could be like a Georgia or Alabama, and Iowa doesn't win those battles. Uh, so I think they would have to go 13-0, and even with a pretty strong schedule, to, to get to the playoff. And, but, if you know, if you win the Big Ten, you get to the, the Rose Bowl in traditional fashion, uh, you know, I think you take that tomorrow and worry about the college football playoff in, in a different way and, you know, the next time it happens. All right, before we let you go, Doc, let's jump into a little bit of basketball. The news, Bakari Evelyn has committed to the Hawkeyes. A uh, combo guard from over at Valpo started his career at Nebraska. A guy that really struggled last season during his junior campaign in comparison to what he was as a sophomore. Any idea what the Hawkeyes are getting here? And Is this a starter? Is this a guy that is just going to fill a 15-minute role? What do you expect out of Evelyn? At minimum, you've got a guy that's going to be a role player, but I expect him to be out there quite a bit. I mean, you know, you don't bring in players like this, especially with the people Iowa's losing. Now, whether or not he starts, I think that's yet to be determined. Uh, you know, what what is Joe Wieskamp's role? What is, uh, you know, I expect Connor McCaffrey will probably start with Jordan Bohannon, um, you know, most likely out for the season. So, you know, who lines up at three? Is it Jack Nungy or is it, Wieskamp, I think a lot of that's going to depend on, you know, how they compete in the fall, you know, because I do think they have some interchangeable parts. But, you know, this is a needed pickup for the basketball team. That's, you know, you lose Isaiah Moss and, and Macy Daly and, you know, Jordan Bohannon. You needed some help in the backcourt. Iowa, you know, wasn't that strong defensively in the backcourt to begin with. And then you lose some of your better athletes. I think they're really, uh, you know, they needed this player in the worst way. So, I'd expect him at minimum to be a 20-minute guy. And, uh, you know, whether or not he starts, uh, you know, that, that'll be determined in October and November. Uh, last thing for me, Doc, uh, Evelyn is going to wear uh, number four, which is Moss's old number. Mm. Um, 
But, but what if you're a doc? Since Trent gave you a hypothetical, let me give you one. If he if he doesn't get through his summer courses because he's still got work to do in order to you know to be that grad transfer, do you think that the door is still open for Isaiah Moss at Iowa, or has he burnt those bridges? I'd only be speculating, but I, I think it would be tough. I mean, obviously you'd want him back as the player he is, but uh, you know to to go through this process to commit to Arkansas, then pull back from that. There's some strong interest from Kansas right now. I, I can't imagine that he would not get his work done in order to make this a reality. I think he would have to eat a lot of crow. I think I don't know that Iowa would want that. Um, I think you kind of just want to say goodbye now. That said, they could use a player of his capabilities, but at some point you got to move on, and, and I think it this this – this was a situation where you got a guy who started, um, you know, 96 games for Iowa, and then he still wants to leave. Even with somebody like uh, Bohannon off, I think that's going to be awfully difficult for Iowa to, to try to bring him back. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Scott, thank you. We will uh, talk to you next week. Appreciate it. As always, we should say this, that the streak is intact. It's a Monday with Doc, so that means The Athletic is going to add somebody else, and apparently they've expanded their uh, – there's a boxing element yes. now to The Athletic, which is no surprise. You guys continue to grow. Uh, thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you. We'll come back, wrap things up. We're at Principal Park. First pitch is 12.08. It's a beautiful day for baseball. Getaway day. The Cubs on the road don't return till June the 20th, but you've got an opportunity if you can sneak out and sneak down here now. Day baseball at Principal Park, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. One for podcasts. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Final few minutes here. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you until noon. All right, Trent, game five tonight. I don't think this is the final basketball game of the year. Maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part that not ready for this to end. We do get a game seven in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will we get a game six? Does Oracle see another game or does it end tonight? It is interesting since the words broke that Kevin Durant actually practiced that the money started to pour in on Golden State. The number dropped, like, I think about two points uh, as soon as that news broke. How, how do you see it? Will you play the game? Of course you'll play it. How well, I'll play it? it. I think I'm leading Toronto's way. Now, you know I'm heavily invested on the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a chance to hedge back at least a little bit and cut down some of those losses that I feel like inevitably I'm going to have. But one and a half, Toronto, how about this? Okay. This is, over the last decade, the highest price ticket in winter sports. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, more than any Game 7. The highest ticket prices from Ticket IQ is this one. So the building seats, what, 20, roughly 20? Yes. The, right now, secondary market average list price, $5,900. American. I think last night... The Blues' average was fifty four hundred. I saw forty three hundred is when it went off. Okay, yeah, that was the final number. So right now, the that's that's expensive. Holy mackerel! Before this, and we'll see what it ends up being. And those ticket prices very well could go down. Mm-hmm. Nobody's looking to pay it. Uh, the highest price, though, 
Oh, and this is all playoff events. Sorry about that. Even including Super Bowls. Look at this. Number one, though, on the list over the last decade, Game 7 2016 World Series. That was 53. Uh, Cubs. Yeah. 2018 Super Bowl is fourth on the list. This year's Game 6 of the Stanley Cup. Yesterday's Stanley Cup uh, game was the third on the list. But currently, hmm. the most expensive average ticket price right now is the Toronto Raptors looking to clinch their first NBA title. What can you get in the building at, does it say? doesn't have that on okay. here, no. Probably, but, what, mid to mid-2000s? I would somewhere guess, yeah. There, upper deck in the corner, you're spending yeah. 2500 for a single. Right. Well, we'll see. I know that uh, people started camping out on Friday night after the game for that Jurassic Park to, yes. be able to watch it on yeah. the big screen. I don't get it, but uh, teach their own, I guess. Good for them. It'd be a fun place to be. Uh, I, I don't think it comes to an end for whatever reason. I don't, I'm not saying that uh, this is Kevin Durant putting on his cape. Whether he plays or whether he doesn't play, I was going to take Golden State tonight. Again, maybe it's wishful thinking. Yeah. I'd uh, love to see Nick Nurse do it and do it mm-hmm. uh, in Toronto, but I think we will, and I don't think, but I don't think we'll see it until Game 7. Three in a row. Warriors can do it? No, I don't think, I think Toronto's going to win. I'm, you no, do. I don't think the Golden State can win three straight games. Not three in a row. I can see them winning two. In fact, that's what I'm going to, you know, the, that hill that I'll die on is they're going to win the next two and uh, lose in game seven. Game su- uh, seven would be Sunday night. Sunday night. Yep. Uh, Thursday is game six. Mm-hmm. Sunday is, uh, is, is game seven. You know, we talked a little bit historically, too, going into Friday night's game that you normally have the two days off in between all the games. Mm-hmm. I think that was an impact, too. I think that was a good thing for for Toronto, that quick turnaround. Clay was fine. Clay, yeah, he was. Give he, him credit. He looked good, but again, the, the turnaround. So did Looney. Yeah. He played, what, 20 minutes, I think, in the basketball game? Talk about shock. My, well, my, he was out for the year. Yes. that That's the report that we initially mm-hmm. got. I just want a great game. Yeah, if Toronto wins it, Golden State wins it, just give me a good game that comes down to the wire, last 90 seconds, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and see who comes out. That's more than anything what I'm hoping for. And maybe to keep those tickets alive a little bit longer with the Warriors, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. Are you, your twins tonight, are they on the road? Are they, where are they? Are they they are this evening after the Tiger Series. They are off, and they will be back. Uh, who do they got next? Oh, Seattle comes in. Seattle comes in for their next series. So another chance to get right. And indeed. All right, that's going to do it. We appreciate it. We love being down here at Principal Park. Again, mm-hmm. first pitch today is at 12.08. The team is... Headed out on the road, they will be gone until the 20th of June. Now, tomorrow, you, we're only on the air until 11. You've got high school baseball, is that it? Yep, high school baseball from here at Principal Park because the Cardinals are playing night games each every night the next two weeks. Because of that, well, no place for high school baseball. So uh, going to put a day game in there, 11 o'clock here from Principal Park. It'll be Van Meter, ranked team in Class 2A against I-35. So we'll bring that one to you. And tonight, KXNO.com will have video streaming with Pete Tarpey and CISN, Waukee and Valley. First chance to see the Warriors this season. Also on Wednesday, we'll have uh, some day baseball over at CISN. So we'll still get your baseball coverage, high school baseball way. Have to do it uh, streaming, though, a couple of days this week. All right, coming up tomorrow, Zubin Mahente from ESPN is going to join the program. He'll jump in here at about 10.30 or so. Trent will be down here uh, at Principal Park for that day game. So you're taking the points. I'll take the money line. Taking the money line, that's how you're going to play it? Yeah. Series ends? Series is over. Series is over. What does that do for Nick Nurse as far as where his place is in Iowa sports? Hall of Famer. Mount Rushmore. With? It's getting summer.
It is, yeah. Well, I'll save that for tomorrow. Then. Yeah. Uh, when we'll know whether his team is indeed clinched or not. All right, Murph and Andy, the two fanatics at four, the morning rush. We'll start it all again tomorrow at six. Cardinal baseball tonight on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.